Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Happy Hanukkah. Tonight's class is titled, It's Within Your Reach. We're going to be starting chapter 14 of Tanya. Until now, we've been discussing the Bainani. And as we learned in the beginning of the Tanya, the introductions, that So it's very close to us to fulfill the Torah and mitzvot in our mouth, in our heart, and in our actions. Thought, speech, and action. Three garments of the soul are thought, speech, and action. Machashava, Dibra, and Maisa. And in all of these three areas, the Torah and Deuteronomy shares that we have full self-control and we have the ability to be on top of it. And now, we've begun discussing the three personalities that exist. The Rush, unfortunately, the wicked person. The Bainani, which is the intermediate person. And the Tzaddik is a person who is on a whole different level. The Tzaddik is someone who has eradicated bad. He has no feelings of bad within him. The Bainani is someone who the bad is fully active inside of him, but he never sins. Remember we discussed that at great length. The, the Bainani never sins. And he never sinned. And what's phenomenal, what we're going to learn tonight, in the beginning of chapter 14, let's just throw ourselves into it. There's no preparation for such a statement. We're on page 60. Page 60, beginning of chapter 14. <laughs> the rank of Bainani is one that is attainable by every man, period. Chapter 14, first line. This ideal, the Bainani, this, this person who has never sinned in his life, and we discussed someone may have sinned, but you still could be a Bainani. You have the ability to go above that sin and live in a consciousness where the sin is non-existent. This idea is one that each and every one of us can attain. This itself is, with this we could go home, with this knowledge, that we all have that inner ability to have full self-control to not sin, to be in, in complete unity with Hashem, to be doing what's necessary. <laughs> That's the mission. This is the whole mission of the Tanya. It's to show us our inner strength, our inner ability, who we could be and how we could do it. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> I know that face. <laughs> it's a little depressing because of course, I'll only speak for myself. But it's nice to know that I can achieve being a Benini, but I sin. <laughs> and at least if I thought it was beyond my realm, I feel a little better. But it's like, you don't get that luxury, do you? I don't get that luxury, do I? <laughs> she knows full well. <laughs> you remind me of a story story just recently I was I, there's a a woman a very famous woman in the um, she talks about family purity intimacy her name is uh, Mrs. Sarah Carmely and if I say the story wrong you'll correct me she was becoming observant and she was becoming observant a lot faster than her husband and as she was taking on certain practices, it was really deterring to her husband, that it was really bothering him. And 
she felt she has to, if the Torah says such and such, she must do it at the cost of her marriage. If the Torah says that a woman needs to cover, a married woman needs to cover her hair, then she's going to do it. She's going, but if it's going to affect her marriage, that doesn't matter. <clears throat> and she wrote a letter to the Rebbe with this whole issue that's bothering her. And the Rebbe's response was clearly, and I, I forget the exact words, but the, the extent of it was, grow with your husband. Try, you could try other sources, maybe have other people work with him, but grow together. And the same thing, and I think it's along the same lines you're saying. It's, we, we don't jump into something and just jump the ladder. There's, there's methods, there's levels. So wherever we are, what we're learning now is how much greater we could be. So on the one hand, it may show us how much we have to strive to become, but it shows us how great our potential is. You know, if you remember, in the first class we gave, we looked at the letters of the word Tanya. Tanya is made up of the words tough, Nun Yud Aleph. And we discussed how when Tuf is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Nun is the middle. Yud is the next middle and Aleph is the first. When someone starts learning Tanya, they think they're tough. They've finished the whole alphabet. They know everything. Slowly, we start recognizing we're not even a Nun. We're not even halfway there. We're not even a Yud. And when we finish the Tanya, unfortunately, we're like, whoa, we're at Aleph. We have so much to do. But that's really a compliment to us. It shows our inner strength. It shows us our inner ability. If all of us had reached where we needed to be, then there's no need for life anymore. Life is when we have that struggle, we have so much more to become. It's like that, that video at the Farbringen, they show that, that young man. That's right, that, that the struggles that each and every one of us have. By the way, is that your brother-in-law's brother? Yes. Okay, so back inside. I hope I was able to answer part of the question. But nonetheless, it's a valid question. Is it, is it consistent? There was uh, something I heard a rabbi say a long, long time ago. And that was that Judaism is, I put it this way, it's not absolute, it's relative. And what I mean by absolute versus relative is it's not where you are on the ladder that counts. It's whether you're going up or down. That's 100% correct. And we're going to get to that momentarily. A Russia, what is the definition of a Russia? Unfortunately, you could have two people doing the same thing. One of them is a tzaddik, one of them is a Russia. The definition of a Russia is someone who's actively disconnecting himself from Hashem. So for one person, if he's going to... The example is slipping my mind. But for one person, if he would do such an act, that would make him a tzaddik. He's going up. The other person would make him a wicked person. Absolutely. It's, it's completely relative to where we are, what we're accomplishing. Yes, well said. Okay, let's continue on. Beginning of chapter 14, page 60. The rank of Bainani, Midas HaBainani, Midas Kal Adam, is one that is attainable by every man. And each person should strive after it. This is where each and every one of us need to go. Every person can at any time or hour be a Bainani. There is not a moment, there is not a place in the world that, that has the ability to detract you from being a Bainani. There is not a time in our lives. There is not a time during the year. There is not a time at, there is no time or space that forces you to not be a Bainani. 
There may be top places that unfortunately are put you in a bad spot. You know, if you end up in the wrong space, you may be in a... But that does not make you sin. You st we have the inner power, wherever we are, to control ourselves, no matter where and when. Because the Bainini does not despise evil. Very key point here. In other words, as we're going to discuss, each and every one of us has full control of our thought, speech, and action. As we've discussed in previous chapters, you could think one thing and then think the exact opposite. You could talk one thing and then talk the exact opposite. You could do one thing and then do the opposite. But you cannot hate one thing and then hate the exact opposite. Our emotions are something that are not completely in our control. Our thought, speech, and action is something that each and every one of us at any time, any space have full control over. But our emotions, we don't have full control over. To despise evil is something that we don't have full control over. Only a tzaddik, only a really righteous person has full control over his emotions. And that's what we're saying here. Because the Bainani does not despise evil. Despising evil, for that is a feeling entrusted to the heart, and not all, ti all times are alike. The Bainani, has, when he's in shul, when all of us come to shul, and we daven with emotion, we get caught up in what we're saying, at that moment, we've discussed in earlier chapters, we, we're on fire. That fire is real. But when we leave shul, we go to the market, we go to, our, we go to university, we go to wherever we may find ourselves, to the workforce, we go to the uh, clinic, wherever we may find ourselves, at that point, all of a sudden, that fire, that passion may subside. That's in the Bainani. His task, the task of the Bainani is only to turn away from evil and do good. What is this quote in Hebrew? A famous quote, turn away from evil and do good. Sor meira, uh, yeah, sor meira The the Benini has the ability to sor meira, turn away from evil vasetov, and do good in actual practice, indeed, speech or thought. Yeah. So each and every one of us at any place, any time, have full control over our thought, speech, and action. It's really amazing. Wherever we are. There was once a yeshiva bacher who was putting on tefillin on a street and someone later on contacted his rabbi and said, how could you allow this young boy to be on the street? You know the billboards that were there? So the rabbi calls in the young boy. He's like, what were you doing there? The boy said, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't see the billboards. True story. So, so we have the ability to control our thoughts, speech, and action, each and every one of us, wherever we are, whenever we are. We're in the choice. Ability and freedom are given to every man. Every single person has free choice. Hashem made this world, one of the 13 principles of faith is free, faith is free choice. If there's no free choice, then there's no world. The condition for this world was that there is free choice, In 1883, the following question was posed. How do you know we're not all sleeping? 
Can you prove to me, Basha, you're not sleeping right now? Maybe what you're doing right now is you're dreaming that you're in a class. So perhaps scientifically, you could, I, I'm not going to go to the scientific realm, but I just, if everyone would think on their own, you ever had a dream where you felt it was real, and then you woke up and you realized it was fake? You ever had that experience? So how do you know that right now you're not in the middle of such a real dream? Dr. Yosef, from a doctor's perspective, how do you know right now you're not dreaming? <laughs> Perhaps in your dream you pinched yourself to see if you... If you look in EEG, you can... I'll just tell you, on a very, on a, from a Torah perspective, there's an e easy method. If life was a dream, there would be no reward and punishment. You're not rewarded and punished for dreams. You're not rewarded and punished for what you're doing in a dream. So in 1883, the answer was given. It said, how do we know we're not dreaming? Because we're here to do something. We're here to accomplish. And we're here to have reward and punishment. And so this is an active life. We're, we're actively either doing or not doing. And each and every one of us, let's, go, let's continue on in Tanya, <coughs> are given to every man that he may act, speak, and think even what is contrary to the desire of his heart and diametrically opposed to it. You could... You could really not like someone and still do them the biggest favor. You have that ability. You have, you have the ability to really not like someone and talk good of him. So no matter what our emotions are, we don't have full control of our emotions, no, but no matter what our emotions are, we have full control of what we're going to think with that emotion, what we're going to talk about that emotion, what we're going to do with that emotion. Clear? Even when the heart craves and desires a material pleasure, that means you could be in the most crass place, you could be in the most, in the lowest of all places on this world, but nonetheless, even, what, even if that person is, whether is, having, is having a desire, whether permitted or God forbid, prohibited, Right now, this person is in a place and he's having an, a prohibited desire. He can steal himself and divert his attention from it altogether. We have the ability to completely take our mind and remove it somewhere else. Does anyone recall previously how have we discussed that you could be in, an, in a bad space and yet completely remove yourself from there? Anyone recall previous methods we've discussed? Well, we've discussed how the mind rules over the, the heart by nature. We've discussed how when you daven with tremendous energy, that leaves, it leaves a rishimu, it leaves a, um, a mark on you for the entire day. If you come to shul, or even if you're at home, but you daven with focus, focus and energy, so that leaves you with a... a a mark the entire day to carry you through whatever may happen. But what happens to someone who hasn't given it all he got? Are we saying the Bainani is only someone who came to Shul and if you miss Shul that day, then who knows what's going to happen to you? God forbid. Now we're going to learn that no matter what happens, no matter where you are, no matter when, you have the ability to all of a sudden pull something out. The secret card. What's it called? The Jack card? The Joker. The Joker? <laughs> we're not, what's that secret card that at any place, any time, you could pull out and say, this is going to stop me from anything that may come my way? Get out of 
wild card. The wild card. What is a wild card? <clears throat> Could be anything you want it to be. Well, what is... This is a wild, whatever. <laughs> no, if you're stuck in a, in a bad spot, a bad, spa bad space, <clears throat> what's the wild card that's going to save you from doing anything negative? Hashem. Tell me more about Hashem. Hashem is everywhere at faith, all times. Faith and belief in Hashem. And that is the right attitude. It, it, direct faith itself will not save you. Because... So you, so you have faith in Hashem, so why can't you sin? Because if you're trying to emulate and live uh, to emulate Hashem, then you try to change your behavior so that it's following Hashem. That's a true level, but it's very deep, and it's, it's, it's not always going to work. In the sense that mm -hmm. if someone's at a low level, faith is not always going to kick in. Is that a punishment? But we're going to discuss later on that deep, deep down, perhaps, and, and deep, deep down, yes, every Jew has inner faith, but we're going to talk about something that is perhaps even easier to pull out. What were you going to say? Reward and punishment. Reward and punishment is, is truly one method. If you think about, unfortunately, where this may take you, that is a method, yes? Well, sometimes there's just the mercy of God upon you. When you're in a bad place, sometimes God is mercy. If Hashem has, yes, yes, Hashem helps you. You can't do nothing without Him. Good, good, good point. Um, didn't we say, didn't we learn that, um, that the, <clears throat> that Hashem is, is, is with the, with the brain, which has the ability to govern over the heart? So it's like maybe we need to, to, to tap into that knowledge that we should know that we, we with Hashem's help, have the ability to kind of overrule. All, you know. That's true when your mind is still in control. Sometimes you come, you're in a spot that you, you lost control. You just have this desire and it, it left your brain space. The answer is the natural love. I saw you looking ahead. You saw that? That, that's, it, it's clearly inside. <laughs> so what's the, tell us, tell us please. Well, now I feel like there's a lot of pressure that I should give you. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I apologize. No, 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 I apologize completely. No worries. Go ahead, go ahead, she likes the pressure. I like oh. that, I'm just, I'm just learning. Oh, no, fantastic. Naturally, every Jew has an inner fire and an inner love for Hashem. Do you guys remember the story we shared? There was a child, there was a man trying to enter into a city. And he comes to a young child and he says, how do I get inside? The child says, well, there's a quick way, or to be precise, the child says, he says, there's a long and short way and a short and long way. By raise of hand, how many people remember this story? He says, there's a long and short way and a short and long way. The man says, well, I want to take the short and long way. So the child says, go that direction. The man goes that direction and he sees, yeah, he's able to get in, except that the entrance is, is completely blocked off by trees. He, there's no way to get through. So he goes back to the child. He says, what are you talking about? The child says, well, I told you it's short. It's right here, but it's very hard to get through. There's another way, which is the long way, but it's also shorter. It's long, but you'll get right in. Story from the, from the Gemara. The same thing is that each and every one of us have a long and short way and a short and long way how to connect with Hashem. The short and long way is to be able to pull out this love we're going to talk about. This natural love, it's within us. It's short. We're able to all extract it. It's our wild card. 
but it's still hard to bring it out. Later, we're going to discuss a long way, but it's also shorter because it's perhaps easier for us to come by. Just a thought. But getting back, so each and every one of us have this natural fire, natural love for Hashem. When I was in yeshiva, unfortunately, I was there at the time of the intifada, and, and uh, my rosh yeshiva, he said, I have, a, I have a simple question he asked. Why is it we look at Avram Avinu, and we say, what a tzaddik he was. He was willing to take his son and give him up. He was willing to die, al-kiddush Hashem. He was willing, what's so great? Unfortunately, let's look. At that time, we had the um, Palestinians were blowing themselves up. So he said I just want to ask a simple question. What is the difference between those Palestinians blowing themselves up, thinking that they're serving God, and Lahavdil to separate to the good, Avram Avinu, who was willing to give up his son? What is the difference? Mike, what is the difference between the two? They themselves, inwardly, seemingly, both were willing to give themselves up for God. Maybe the, the Palestinians are mistaken. But they still have, all of a sudden, they have some inner drive. Mm -hmm. You got the question? I don't have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> one, one goal was to die, in the case of the Palestinians. And the other case was, I don't think Avraham Avinu had any doubt that everything was going to be good. Ah, if you say that, then it's fake. <clears throat> if you say Avraham Avinu went, to the Akedah, he went with his son Isaac, knowing he's not going to slaughter Isaac, then it was a fake test. It's like me testing you and you know I'm not even going to test you, that's fake. Well, I don't know that he was completely sure, but I mean, he had faith. On the contrary, even after Hashem told him not to kill Isaac, he said, please, let me cut him. Let me do a little, let me pour a little blood. And Hashem said nothing, if you look in the story. Okay. So, Avram went fully in it. He was, he was ready to give up his son. Truly. Then what's the difference? I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> You're the teacher, yeah. <laughs> there's, one, there's one major difference. Was anyone else, was, there, was anyone else on the mountain when Avram was, when, when Avram was willing to slaughter his son? Uh, was the television there? Was any, there was nobody uh, there. Uh, and he left his servants even three days that's, that's right. He told his servants to stay behind. There, it was a private act between him and Hashem, nobody else. And, and I yet, thought there was an angel. And, and Angels later came to intercede. To intercede. Okay. But at the time of the act, when Avram was going, it was him and he was going to slaughter his son. No one would, no one would know nothing. And there was no reward. We don't look in the Torah and Hashem says, if you're going to slaughter Isaac, I'm going to give you such and such. So there was no publicity and no reward. He was truly willing to give up his son. Sarah didn't know. Yeah. She did not know. No. Sarah didn't know. It's confusing. The Satan, he, he confused her and that's why she ended up dying. But yeah, that's Where did that inner strength come from for Avram Avinu? To be willing to give up his son with no ulterior motive. No respect from anyone. No, no reward. Where did that come from? That came from what we're going to talk about now. That inner fire that each and every one of us has. And that fire is our wild card. Okay, so the difference then you're describing then is in Avraham's case, 
it was just he and Hashem and no one else. Whereas the and no reward and no reward. Both of those whereas, are key points. Yeah, whereas the uh, Palestinians, they they do it for publicity, award, and uh, and a lot of virgins and, and, after and they everything die. else. Yeah. <laughs> Another um, example. The Bennies to themselves, the Bennies to the family, to the press, to the cause. Yes. Maybe an example of that. <laughs> I think you might have brought it up early in the class when Daniel Pearl was killed. Yes. He, 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 I think he was told he could convert to Islam or something. And I think he said, I am a Jew, when, and, he, and he died. Yeah. And he I, was the love of God to said that. Very powerful words, yes, yes. My dad is a Jew, my mom is a Jew, I am a Jew. Okay, so let's go back inside and let's see this inside. Here we are. We are on the right-hand column, nine lines from the bottom, even. Even when the heart craves and desires a material pleasure, whether permitted or, God forbid, prohibited, every Jew he can steal himself and divert his, his, his attention from it altogether, declaring to himself. So this is your wild card. Copy it, paste it, do whatever you want with it. But remember it. Here it is. We tell ourselves, I will not be wicked even for a moment. Why? Because I will not be parted and separated, heaven forfend. I would not want to separate myself from Hashem. From the one God, under any circumstances. Why? Being mindful of the admonition. <coughs> Your iniquities interposed between you and God. Our sins, what do sins do? They separate us. They separate between us and Hashem. That's what Yeshua mentioned earlier, that a Russia, a Russia is someone who is doing something to separate himself from Hashem. And, and like mentioned, two people could be doing the same thing. But a tzaddik, or at least a bainani, would be someone who's doing it and he's on his way up. The rasha is someone who's doing it and he's on his way down. He's trying to separate himself from Hashem. What does the word mitzvah mean? Blessing. Mitzvah, blessing. Blessing is baruch, good. But what does mitzvah mean? Commandments. What else does mitzvah mean? The original word mitzvah comes from the word tzavsa. Tzavsa means to connect. A mitzvah is a connection. So every mitzvah we do, we're connecting with Hashem. Every mitzvah we don't do, or every avera we do, we're actively breaking that connection. So the Bainani, he's turning to himself and he's like, what? I'm going to right now actively destroy this connection with Hashem? I'm going to actively separate myself from Hashem? Instead, my real desire is to unite my nefesh, ruach, and neshama with Him, with Hashem. Remember, there's five parts of this soul. Nefesh, ruach, neshama, chaya, yechida. Two of them are in Shemayim. Everyone's familiar where we say that every day we hear there's certain calls, there's certain heavenly announcements made every day. We learn about it in Pirkei Avot in many different places. Our soul down here doesn't hear it. But the two parts of our soul in heaven hear those announcements. Within our soul, the, the lower three parts are within us, and that's what we're saying. 
My real desire is to unite my nefesh, ruach, and neshama with Hashem. How do I connect my nefesh, ruach, and neshama with Hashem? Through investing them in His three garments. Blessed be He. By taking my nefesh, ruach, and neshama, by taking my soul, and using my soul with the godly thought, godly speech, godly action, namely an action, speech, and thought dedicated to God, his Torah, and His commandments. Okay, this is quite simple, right? We, you're, we're about to do a sin, and all of a sudden we think, well, if I'm going to do a sin, I'm going to separate from Hashem. But, but big deal, what's wrong if I separate from Hashem? Like, remember, we're, we're saying that wherever in the world you may be, at whatever time, in, the, in God forbid, the worst case scenario, this is your wild card. You tell yourself, I'm going to separate myself from Hashem. But so what? You're about... So how is this separation bothering you? Why is that going to stop you from sinning? By virtue of the love of God that is hidden in my heart. As in the heart of all Jews who are called those who love your name. Each and every, one of, each and every Jew loves Hashem. They, you may not see it, you may not feel it, but each and every one of us love Hashem. As, we, as we've discussed... <laughs> The Torah tells us that for a man to divorce a woman, the man has to actively give his wife a get. And unfortunately, if he is not willing to give his wife a get, if he's not willing to divorce her, what, is, what does the Betan do? So according to the Torah law, what do they do? according to Torah law, you're allowed to take the man and beat him up. And that happened. And that happened, ago. yes. yes. <coughs> You're allowed to... T- yes. I, I don't want to go there, but... But yes, the answer is, according to Torah law, and where Torah law rules, if a man is not willing to comply, does it get necessary? The Torah says you could beat him up. But there's a little problem here. Because you, the man has to give his wife a get willingly. And if you beat someone up, and he says, I'm willingly giving my wife a get... How willingly is that? Right? You have to... Someone, if he's going to divorce his wife, he has to willingly say, I consent to divorce her. But we're beating him up and saying, tell me now, repeat after me, I am willingly consenting to divorce... So he's changing his mom. But you're beating him up. So he's not meaning... He doesn't mean what he's saying. He's not willingly... He's, he's telling you... He doesn't willingly divorce his wife. <laughs> I think we're missing the real, the real problem, which is that it has to be the man that gets the divorce in the first place. <laughs> What's a gift? What is the that? I'm get? sorry, a divorce document. That's in order for a, a man to divorce his wife, he has to give a divorce document to her. And the man has to give it to her willingly. I don't know if you're familiar, unfortunately. No, I'm new to studying I, uh, these things. I'm, that's why I'm here. <laughs> no, no, it's a good question. What I was going to say is, unfortunately, there's something called an aguna. An aguna is when, when a man is... Uh, Won't do. But there's numerous methods of an aguna, but one of the meth- methods is where a man um, is withholding his wife's get. So she's locked up. A woman can't marry two men. So she's still halachically married to this man. She can't marry anyone else, but they're not married. So the Torah says you could beat the man up to willingly give his wife the get. Does that make sense, Alta? No, I understand. Okay. 
Yeah. But beating him up means like beating a guy up isn't necessarily going to change his mind. But the Torah says no. But that's exactly it. But the Torah says it works. But the, but the Torah says it works. If you beat him up and he the man tells you as you're beating him up, I willingly give my wife a get. Then we say it's true when his wife is divorced. Well, maybe between the two, it's less painful to give the gift than to Probably continue to be beat up. No, that's true. But does, is he really meaning to give his wife the gift? Doesn't that the process nullify the willingness? <laughs> exactly. The process is removing the willingness. True. But, so why is it active? And it's this. Not really. I mean, if, if yeah, someone's being tortured, he's being tortured. This is real torture. If he's being tortured, it's not. It's not. This environment, that's all. <laughs> why is this? Why is it true? Why is it an acceptable get? Because every Jew, and these are this is what the commentators there share with us. Every Jew wants to do Torah and mitzvot. If he doesn't want to, then there's just something concealing on that inner love of Hashem. From that man who's saying, I do not want to give the get, he's a liar. Deep down, he's an appropriate Jew, he's a good person. And he wants to give the get. So when we're forcing him to say those words, I am willingly giving my wife the get, consciously he doesn't think that. But subconsciously the truth is, as a Jewish person, with a godly soul, with that fire of Hashem within him, he means what he's saying. And therefore the get is active. That's an awful slippery slope. So the process. <laughs> <laughs> That's the lesson we learn. If your wife wants to get, give her a get. <laughs> so if we're faced with um, making a choice and knowing that if we speak something, it would be lost and hard, and not. Uh, and instead focusing on our connection with Hashem and wanting to maintain that connection when we don't speak the Lashem Is that a it, fair statement from what you're saying? Say one more time. I'm sorry. I missed it. So if, if we're truly knowing that what we're thinking and about to say is Lashem in anybody's book, there's no exception to it, it's Lashem then do we focus on trying to maintain our love and connection to Hashem to get us past this <coughs> urge? Wouldn't that always be true? I don't know. But I mean, as an example of... Um, well, this is called the short and long way, as I said before. <laughs> because it's short, because if you're able to arouse that inner love, nothing will ever stop you. But it's long because not always will we be able to easily bring out that inner love and therefore we will have another method, the long but short way later on that we'll learn. But right now, the ultimate method of overpowering that issue that you're wherever place, whatever time, is by, yes, like exactly like you said, think about the love of Hashem. <laughs> It's going to be a rough week, Rabbi. Could we get a sneak preview? <laughs> <laughs> Truly? <laughs> you know, oh. we, have to, we have to take it in stages. Okay. We, we have to take okay, it in stages. But today, this week's stages, yes, to think about the love of Hashem. Okay. And aside from thinking about the love of Hashem, think about how if we sin, we're 
breaking our connection with Hashem. It's like a man who loves his wife, so he's not going to do something that his wife truly hates. Or in other words, he's not going to do something to break that connection with his wife. Or the other way, a woman who trusts, who, who loves her husband, either way. Um, and remember, everything we're saying here, just to be clear, is for both men and women. So let's continue back inside, and we'll wrap it up together, and then we'll take some questions. So we're, let's continue again from the third line of the right column. Instead, my real desire, what is the real desire of every Jew, is to unite my nefesh, ruach, and neshama, to unite my soul with him, with Hashem. How do I connect with Hashem? Through investing them, through investing my soul into, in His three garments. Blessed be He, namely in action, speech, and thought, dedicated to God, His Torah, and His commandments. So we're taking our soul and putting them in thought, speech, and action of Hashem. Okay. But why does it bother me to separate myself from Hashem? That's we continue. By virtue of the love of God that is hidden in my heart. In every Jew there's this hidden love, as in the heart of all Jews who are called those who love your name. Each and every one of us has an inner love of Hashem. Even the most unworthy among the worth, worthless is capable of sacrificing himself for the sanctity of God. Even the lowest of low has the ability to sanctify himself when he's going back in time. Thank God today we don't have this struggle, but when, when Jews, Jews that were very far from Judaism in the time of the Inquisition or whenever it was, when they were put against the wall and said, be a Jew a converter or be killed, they allow themselves to be killed. Why? Till that day, unfortunately, they weren't practicing Jews. There, was, there wasn't a fire that was active until then. But when they were asked, are you a Jew? They would never separate. They would never let go. That was the inner fire coming out. Even the most unworthy among the worthless is capable of sacrificing himself for the sanctity of God. Surely, each and every one of us would say, I am not inferior to him. If every, even the lowest of low can sanctify his heart for Hashem, from that love, well then, wherever I am, I'm certainly no lower than the lowest of low. It is only that a... Sp so why does... The lowest of low, why do they sin? A spirit of folly has overcome him. Where, where does sin come from? If we're saying that when we sin, we separate from Hashem. So how does sin happen? Very simple. A person says, well, you ever had a cake? And you say, I'm just going to have a small piece. And all of a sudden you ate the whole cake. That's the same thing here. It never happened. Okay. So maybe if someone could catch up Esther, kind of explain to her the scenario. But... What, the, this person who we're calling right now the lowest of low, we, how did he get there? Because he didn't sin all at once. He said, I'm just going to take a small piece of cake. And another, there was a gradual descent. And each level he took, he said, I, I'm not really affecting my connection with Hashem. It's just a small, a small thing. Nothing really is going to happen. No one ever came one day and said, you know what? Today, today I'm a tzaddik, tomorrow I'm a rasha. No, no. A spirit of folly comes and it tells you, don't worry about doing this little Avera. Nothing's going to happen. And the next day it tells you, oh, and slowly there was a descent. That's what we're saying here. 
It is only a spirit of folly has overcome him, the slowest of low. And he imagines that committing a sin will not, will not affect his Jewishness. And his soul will not, will not be sever, se, separated thereby from the God of Israel. The lowest of low, he says, oh, every one piece, a sliver of cake, another sliver, nothing's going to happen. Forgetting also about his love of God which is hidden in his heart. Also, he forgets. He says, I don't have any connection. But we, the Bainani, we're, let's conclude our statement, but as for me, I have no desire to be such a fool as he to deny the truth. So let's summarize what we've said. The Bainani, wherever each one of us, number one, is the most foundational point, and perhaps of the whole Tanya, each and every one of us can be this intermediate person that has full self-control over his thought, speech, and action, wherever and whenever. And even if we slipped, we still can come back to that plateau where it's as if we have never sinned. How could it be? So we said this short but long way, and that is that we, t- we talk to ourselves. Right? How, many, how many of us talk to ourselves? You ever, you talk? <laughs> we literally talk to ourselves, and we tell ourselves, we say, how could I separate myself from Hashem? I love Hashem. I would never want to do anything to separate from Him. Even the lowest of low is willing to sacrifice himself for Hashem. I'm not the lowest of low. I'm certainly better than the lowest of low. I could certainly control myself here. Are there any questions? Well, Please. I'm not sure why you started talking about the divorce in these particular thing that we're learning. What brought up a man is divorcing his wife? Why, why did you go that way? I was bring, from that law. The law is that even if someone does not want to divorce his wife, and we force him to say, I divorce is that her. what this is paragraphs are about? No. That law shares with us okay. that deep down, every Jew wants to do what's right. From that law, we learn this point. That deep down, every Jew will only do what's right. But we need to bring out that, that fire within them. And that's why I brought in that law. That law is approved. I'm not sure what it has to do with divorce still. I don't quite get why is the man divorcing his wife. I'm, I'm, she wants a divorce? <laughs> I don't understand. So you're, the divorce is between you and God. No, no. Is they're both true? Husband and wife both agree that they want to get divorced. Okay. But the husband's trying to pain his wife. A man is allowed to marry two women. So a man to not give his wife a get has no problem. A man is allowed to marry two women? According to Torah. Currently, no. But according to biblical law, Abraham, um, Abraham had two wives. Isaac had one wife, but um, Jacob had four wives. <laughs> so they're not doing that today. No. Today not. No. Yeah. Did, did I answer your question? Well, okay. I just wasn't sure why you were steering at that Yeah, I, I was trying to bring at this yeah. point that deep down, each and every Jew wants to do what's right. Okay. Yes. Even if you beat it out of heaven. Yes. <laughs> no, it, Every Jew wants literally. to right. okay. Ab- literally. Absolutely. There's no reason somebody should not do it yet. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. And, any other questions? It's the willingness. Well, the free will. The free will. Okay, thank you everyone. Afraid